I am unashamed. What about you? So I feel like we're back to normal because we got, we got Jace back. We sent Jace away for a couple of podcasts to uh, look, gather you stories. You're not going to hurt my feelings, people. I know that sometimes you just need a break. <laughs> well, wow. actually, we had we were we were without Zach and Jace for a oh. couple of podcasts. Well, y'all should feel revived. Zach wasn't here either. We we uh, we replaced you guys with uh, with first with Stone and Sai, and so we we told some so Stone and Sai stories, Dad. Be careful what you wish for. Well, yeah, that's true. Some I break. got a hold of uh, what's his name, Gordon, Gordy, Gordy. <laughs> Uh, old Gordon Gordon wrote the last chapter of the book and uh, I feel like we started in the middle of the story Phil. you're writing a book you're writing a book with Zach's dad your Gordy. brother-in-law Gordy and we, Gordon. we finished it up he, he did he finished up the last chapter sent it to him and I was reading through it uh, Which I'm glad to hear. I didn't know we were that. Y'all are collaborating on a book. Yep. You're doing the thinking. So I he's told doing him. Writing. And my the result of reading that last chapter, I said, uh, Gordon. I, I told Dan to tell him. Dan was on the phone with. I said, tell him that I just said you're a lot smarter than I am. And Gordon's reply was, he said, I've been telling people that for years, but nobody <laughs> believes me. <laughs> <laughs> And, and now you've admitted it. I've admitted it. Hey, he's got me hands down, you know, on if brain. Jay, if brain Jace would only say that to Zach, then it, then we'd Well, have. here's the deal though. You have book smart. I'm not I'm not very book smart. Mm -hmm. You have street smart. Yeah. I'm actually not that street smart. No. But then you have Jesus smart. <laughs> Jesus tends to level the playing field when it comes to intellect, knowledge, and life. So I'm that is Jesus true. being honest. Jesus is Jesus savvy. That's what he's saying. The more I read, the less intelligent I think I am. That's where I am. Yeah, me too. Well, that's one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> that's where I am. The more you good. read, the less, the less intelligent you feel you are. <laughs> that is it. That's me. <laughs> That's almost an oxymoron, but it's mm. but it's a good one in a way. I'm not sure the education establishments are gonna go. Dad's with that. always been a little bit at odds with the education establishment, so that maybe that makes. If sense. somebody had just by mistake over the eight year period of me being indoctrinated, various <laughs> issues, if someone had just mentioned one time. Look, there may be a possibility there is, in fact, a God, and Jesus really is was a great person. Just just a word about him. I never heard not one word about Jesus Christ. You seem angry about Eight it. Eight years. So. No, I'm just no, thinking, no. you know, we're counting time by him, but we, 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 we never mention him. It's sad that in our culture— about the only time you hear about Jesus is in some kind of exclamation. You know, somebody's mad or yeah. he's used as a mm -hmm. derogatory term or or when you're when you're angry. Yeah. What do you so want? I'm get? not mad about it. I'm just yeah. more sad about it than mad about no, it. No, I am too. It's so how, so how do you since you brought up about the book, which which we have, you never know with books because uh, the publishers are coming down in a couple of weeks, so. You still have to. We have a working title that we're calling the Jesus Resume, yep. which I really like. 
But how do you feel about the book? Do you like the book? Do you think it turned out like you wanted it to? The, the goal, I haven't read the whole The goal was to get people to acknowledge, at least acknowledge the goodness of Jesus Christ. I just wanted people to, to finally just say, you know, okay, you got a point. I mean, he, it, it, it's, if there is such a thing as that, I said, well, the description's all there. You're counting time by him. The world is. I would just think he needs more uh, study, scrutinizing. Just take a look at him. See what he had to say. See what kind of person he was. And just report it to the people if you're an instructor somewhere at some college. At least bring it up that if this person had been real, this, this is pretty good, pretty good story here. You'll remove your sin and raise you from the dead. I mean, I would say you're looking at it. You would think, you know, you just describe my whole. That is my philosophy. I'm trying to get people every day to take a look at Jesus. Yeah, that's it for yourself. Yeah. Well, and really, for those of you that've been, I mean, what harm? They won't even let you mention his name. It's against the law. Well, you can mention it as long as you're doing it. In a uh, what is the correct word I'm looking for there? When people he wasn't it, a killer, he got killed. When people use it as a what, what you know, they'll hit their thumb with a hammer, and they're like, "Jesus, you know, right. they're what an expletive." What, yeah, that that's the way. It, it, you can use his name as an expletive. Yeah, you know, like you're you're angry in an angry moment, but you can't say it in a in a name of praise or, you know. Yeah. Or or like it's like he's real. But what's yeah. always fascinating to me is they're acknowledging that in those, even in movies and all. Jesus is mentioned in just about every movie, especially rated R ones, mm-hmm. so I've heard. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so for those of you that have been kind of following Dad's book arch for these last probably four or five years, this is kind of, to me, the capper of this it little four-book series, because you started kind of painting the picture of, from your viewpoint back in the in 16, kind of the what's wrong with America, the theft of America's soul. And then you kind of moved into Jesus politics, which was the idea of a, a Jesus versus what we currently see. Yep. Then you moved into Uncancel, <clears throat> which is the idea that the cross really does show you the ultimate, you know, it solves the problems. And now it's like, the crowning moment is Jesus does trump all of it. Here's his resume. Here's his resume. Take him, take Love him it. or leave him. So it is, it is kind of a four, it is, it is kind of a capper well, to, to the whole series. I heard a guy say, I heard a, a well, pastor say, I'm back. Well, I, I heard you guys the whole time. I'm not sure why y'all, I was trying to interject this comment, but it actually fits better now. Please interject um, it because we have a really funny story about you that happened yesterday. So I'll. <laughs> Follow, uh, follow that. You could follow up with that. That makes me nervous, but because uh, I wasn't around you guys yesterday, so I'm not sure what all that means. But, <laughs> but uh, no, I heard a guy say uh, he said nobody has a problem with Jesus until you tell them who he is. Until you tell them who he is, I, I think that's the thing about the resume of Jesus. Once you start, you read down the list of his resume that Phil's putting together with that. Um, yeah, it's a it's a different story. I mean, he's he's I mean, he is Alpha Omega beginning and end. He's God incarnate all all the things. So, I think it's going to be a, a very powerful book for for you Phil, for sure. This is kind of the 
the the apex of really your whole life, you know. Gordon, Gordon, he said he's having to struggle some because I keep telling him you're smarter than I am. I'm just giving you some a little advice from time to time, but you're smarter, Gordy, than I am. And he said I've been trying to get that across to people, but they don't believe me. <laughs> and, the, and and the sad thing is, even with even with your uh, admission, I still don't think think people are going to believe believe him. So you know, there may be no Gordon. Hope. So what? Gordon what is smart. Gordon is smart, but he acts dumb. He acts silly. But you. So I, it took me a few years to get past that. Yeah, uh, but Gordon was the. It, it took. It took the. It was funny because by by him being married to Jan all those years, he it he was able to understand the Robertson mind, which is, is a complex thing to You're do. You're being way too nice. Scary, <laughs> well, uh, irrational. Well, a lot of things. Crazy. But, and brilliant. There's some brilliance in there too. But it now, is. now when my wife tells me that she needs a break, used to it hurt my feelings, but now I'm like, <laughs> no, I get it. But to unlock, to unlock, <laughs> to unlock, and to walk that minefield, and to to it's, it's like you were going someplace to into this dangerous place to try to mine out the best of what's there. So Gordon has been able to do that and to to capture that. I just wanted him to know, just from reading the last chapter of that book. After I read that, I said, "That guy, that Gordy, he's a he is a." Highly intelligent man, way more than me. Way more. I find it fascinating. He said, I agree. I, I know I am. That all of but a sudden, I can't get anybody <laughs> to acknowledge it. That all of a sudden you're calling him Gordy. Yeah. I know. It's like after all this time, they bonded to the point that he's Gordy. He came up with a new nickname. I mean, I, that's the first oh, well, I've heard him called as Gordy. <laughs> So it was it. Dash. Yeah, so he's Dash. upgraded from Dash to Gordy. Well, he had Gordo for a while. Yeah. And uh, I think those yeah. were the early years. But now it's affectionately known as Gordy. Yeah. That's because he's, he's hit a new place with him. No. So yesterday uh, I was at WFR. I didn't know I was preaching. And uh, I should have known. It was back to back. And I told him, you know, now that I'm volunteer preaching, but I hadn't done a back to back in a while. And I have to admit, I hit the wall because. I was like, okay, I want to be paid double since I preached back to back. Well, I know what zero plus zero is. That's the problem. Or no, zero times two. Zach, <laughs> I'm learning math. I, I, I got paid double, but two times zero, Dad, is still zero. But Sadly. the caveat of that is nobody can say, what are you talking about? I mean, we're... We're not paying you to talk about. Well, no, we're just not paying. You. <laughs> so you can get away. <laughs> yeah, you get why, more freedom. I'm, that's actually, why I, I mean, I'm actually very happy with my arrangement. I mean, I'm, probably I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. In the last twenty years, I've probably spoken a, a number of times there, but I like it that even if they offered me something, I'd mm. say no. No, oh, they've tried to hire me. Trust me, I don't. I, I'm happy with my situation. By the way, Al, I, I let our audience know they were from all over these United States, several foreign countries, and. uh I had them for about uh, 40 minutes to give them a charge. The Unashamed Bible Class, for those of you listening, every Sunday at 9, Dad leads the class. And I let them all know, and they sit there and their mouths kind of dropped. But I let them know that you, nor no, I, we, we, weren't, we weren't being paid. No, we volunteered. No one's paying us. You're in know, Chase. The, the, the and Zach. Coming other, and Zach. No one's paying us. But they, they, they thought that uh, <laughs> odd. Yep. They said, well, you know, they... I said, we just want to get the word out. Well, I, th I found it uh, 
kind of weird. You know, they, they do things differently, I guess, at, at WFR. So they had all the, the big auditorium, which is where I was. The I kept waiting. I was like, who's preaching? There was nobody on the front row. Yeah. It was the only row that, you know, didn't have people on it. I was like, so then you, you were. were getting, you were getting a little nervous, weren't you? Well, I had seen it seemed Mike. odd the way that worked. Yeah. Yeah. And Just I was blank like, screen. I guess we're going to watch a video. Mm-hmm. And so you were right next door in a smaller auditorium. Yep. And so then you came up. We run a simultaneous service at our yeah. building. So we watched the video version, or I could have just got up and walked 100, 100 feet, hundred feet, and but then there probably wasn't a seat. So It was full in there. But anyway, Zach, what he, uh, he was preaching on 1 Peter 4. So we're in 2 Peter 3. I think we're going to get to 2 Peter. Did, did you and Stone inside, did y'all... Get into the inner workings of Second Peter. <laughs> we, got, oh, okay. <coughs> we covered no text oh. with. Um, well, I'll be surprised if anybody came back from that. <laughs> so you were in First Peter. 4. No, we did. Hang on, though. We did talk about uh, what was it that Sai? Because I had preached, and so oh, so <laughs> I got to mention this, Jace. Just you want to take a break first? Yeah, let's let's take a break. So, Jace, I was perusing my uh, my mail this weekend, and I got my uh, Day 41, which is a uh, newsletter from uh, 40 Days for Life, we mentioned. And so right here on the cover, Zach, you'll appreciate this. I saw I looked down in the corner, and there I see uh, a picture of Unashamed. It was a picture of Dad and Jace and me. And it says, Inside the Duck Commander Family Interview Sean Carney. So here in the back, uh, it was an interview the, when Sean was on our podcast, which was pretty cool. So we've had Sean on our podcast before. Sean is the uh, CEO of 40 Days for Life. All of us are uh, very actively engaged in the pro-life movement, and we're sort of in different parts of the stream. 40 Days for Life is a great organization that uh, they kind of focus in on on prayer. Uh, they take these uh, 40-day uh periods where they really focus in on prayer for, you know, people to make great decisions, women obviously to make decisions for life. Uh, they go and they, uh, they pray over abortion facilities uh, all around America. They, they kind of focus in on the, uh, what, what we would call the blue states where abortion is uh, still legal. And uh, they have uh, helped uh, close 132 abortion facilities in America. 45% of those were in liberal states. So they're doing a great job. They have uh, this, uh, this uh, publication that I mentioned, Day 41, that you can find on their website. Uh, they also have their locations where they meet. They have over a million volunteers in 1,500 cities, so they're very active. Uh, we love what they're doing. I want you to check out their locations, uh, their podcast, their free magazine. If you go to 40daysforlife.com, that's 4040daysforlife.com. Check them out. So, Cy, I had preached on First Peter 3 the Sunday before Cy was on, because I preached two weeks in a row. And so Cy says, something you said in your sermon gave me a different view of God. I said, really? He said, well, that and an episode of Star Trek that I watched. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I said, well, good night, Cy, a different view of God. He said, yeah. He said, it was about, it was an episode where there was a, 
it was an entity and it was a, a noxious cloud and it had a brain it was intelligent and it made me think of God as a cloud. Well, he probably got that from Exodus. Well, one of the things we need to... And he was a cloud. I guess so. And a power. I mean, he was... Uh, but I don't remember what I said in my sermon about that, but something made him think of that. So, Well, one of the things uh, that we will find in Second Peter chapter 3, here's the ironic thing about all this. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I'm going to talk about that. I, I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Well, when, Paul, when, when Peter was an apostle and the word came out that when Jesus said, I'm going up to Jerusalem, he began to explain, Jesus began to explain to his disciples. So, so Peter's sitting there. Well, in lieu of what I just read, 2 Peter chapter 3, that God allowed him to write, that Jesus said, I must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, teachers of the law. I must be killed and on the third day be raised alive. And Peter, of all people, that wrote 2 Peter chapter 3 a few years later, Peter took him, Jesus, aside. He said, come over, come, let, me, let me show you, come over here. So he's talking to the son of God who had just said, I'm going to die for the sins of the world, including yours, Peter. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, never. Peter was not for the salvation of the world. He's saying, no way, Jose. Well, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter now, out of my sight, Satan, you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God. Peter's lost it way big time. And my point in my lesson yesterday was, but he forgave him and reinstated him. And Peter got on the right track enough to God allowed him to write scripture. Well, I just find that when somebody says, I don't know whether I'm going to make it or not. You know, I mean, I messed up yesterday. And what he doesn't understand is you need to look at Peter and how far he went, how far he arrived, and his faith was weak. But God and Jesus himself embraced him as a brother, forgave him of his sin, of not even recognizing him. I don't know who he is, and, and all that, that friction. I just find it amazing that we have such a merciful God through Jesus. I find it amazing. That's the only rant I have for the next hour or so. <laughs> it was a good one. It was a good one. So your me... point was the mercy of Jesus towards even a guy that just would miss the whole point. You know, and who's he calling Satan? Satan himself mm. or Peter when he said, out of my sight, Satan, after Peter concluded that I was not going to be able to die for the sins of the world and raise them from the dead. I mean, that's, he went at the heart of it. And amazingly, in the book of Acts, the one who had the keys to the kingdom and had the gospel on straight as an arrow was, in fact, Peter. So the resurrection, when Peter became, he saw, resurre he saw Jesus resurrect people. You would have thought he would have had more faith, but it just lets you know 
Everybody's got weaknesses, and we all need forgiveness. Well, it's like on Paul when he was, you know, writing to Timothy, same principle, you know, in 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16, it says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and then Paul said, of whom I am the worst. Yeah, Peter not didn't get to that. He came late, but he finally well, got but to But watch it. what he says in the next verse, because it's to your point. For that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience yep, yep. as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal the life. Unlimited patience. That's what a lot of us are lacking. But boy, he had it. Jesus had it. Well, he still does. And that, that's. He saw the end at the beginning. Well, that was kind of my. Which to get back to Jace, what you were about to talk about, that my overarching point that I landed on and where I was in first Peter, which we're gonna to get to in second, was as long as you're alive, you have an opportunity to make changes to not face ultimate judgment. Yeah. As yeah. long as you're alive, I mean Peter. But you need that. to move on that pretty quickly. You do because because <laughs> this idea about well, the end of all things is near. Yeah. The idea is once you get to the end there's no more opportunity. <laughs> well, that was the that was when you threw Zach under the bus. You you because I was so intrigued by what you were fixing to talk about because I knew we had spent at least one podcast on First Peter four. I mean, it's not the easiest thing to pontificate on. I mean, it, there's a, there's some deep stuff in there, especially when he's talking about preaching the gospel to the those who are alive and to those who are dead. And this is coming off the heels of First Peter 3 at the it end. It was back to back, right? And yeah. I had dealt with that text the week before. So, uh, but then when you got to the end of all things is near, I thought, now what's he going to get into this? And so then he threw Zach under the <laughs> bus by saying, now a lot of these people, they want to... They want to talk about the eschatology of what this means <laughs> on whether it's uh, and you you I don't want to uh, mischaracterize your words, but you said whether this is the destruction. I said, is, is this the is this the end of the end of all things? Is this the end of is this eighty seventy? And I, I mentioned three or four different things we argue about. But then in you eschatology. went like, yeah. I like you agreed with all of them, but you said the word said it eschatology. Could, yeah, it could be any of those things, but in the context of what I said, could it just mean that it could be the end of all things for, uh, for anybody us. that we're yeah. talking about, right? Yeah, and you just said, hey, I got news for you. The end of all things I'll tell you one is thing, near. I'll, I'll, uh, uh, to yeah. get in there 76 years, having read that, I just looked at my own. I said, oh, I'm just on the edge here. <laughs> 76. I, I don't have long yeah. stay. The end of all things is near, Phil. Well, that was it. He made a couple of funny things about it, but I was just going to say to Zach so he can comment and defend him. <laughs> so, Al, I'm in this room with how many people were in the big auditorium? What did he say? 700 mm -hmm. people. So when you said eschatology, it was the way you said it. Right. There was one person who laughed, which was me. In the whole crowd. <laughs> I went, <laughs> nobody else laughed. You were like a voice crying out in the yeah. wilderness. So three people. I thought you were going to say Ryan Hammett because he's the only person. Well, I said laugh. three people might have gotten the joke. 
that the way you said eschatology. Or Kurt Lively, maybe have laughed. Yeah, Kurt. Well, Kurt was sitting right behind me, so I was I was literally sitting on the edge of my seat. Yeah, you got to be careful. I yeah. like to keep him within my visual because I don't want to be <laughs> just scared, like jump scared, because yeah. he hollers out Jesus. Uh, but he said Jesus on that, but it was soft. He did. He he was the softer gentler. He was like Jesus. He did that a few times. Normally it's hey, oh, yeah. He he was more uh so he you had him. But when I laugh, he looked around at me like, What did he say? Because who who would know what eschatology even means? I didn't know it. I'd never heard of it until Zach brought it up a month ago. I was gonna say eschatological, but that's hard to say. Eschatological. Uh how do we pronounce e- that? Eschatology that's hard to say. I had practiced it, but it was hard to say say that word because it was actually a, an adjective, but I couldn't say it. So is Zach still there, or is he gone again? Oh, we lost him. Well, <laughs> I, I gave him an opportunity to defend himself. When, yeah, well, that's what I would say, too. If I did. <laughs> I'd say, well, I just can't well, get a connection. I mean, every time Zach, it's time to defend himself, he fades out. I thought a while ago when Zach was talking that he was putting his hand over the mic going, I used to do that. <laughs> when you're super smart, that's the kind of stuff you try to do. <clears throat> but I really, I really wasn't thinking about Zach. But now that you say that, no, that's what I'm I saying. He's the saying. he's the only person that brought that up, and we had a big issue about but, it. But here's here's what I will say. Um, let's take a break. I did think about it, Jace, because we spent a, quite a bit of time talking about it, and we should because in a discussion when you're dealing with a text, you think about these things. But in a sermon, when when I was talking about, in context, a person looking at their life here, thinking about, do I want to be like these people being described and living this life that I used to live? Yeah, what was the title of your sermon, uh, uh, The Better Life? Living My Best Life. Yeah, Living My Best Life. Because so, he's saying, this is the should... way you used to be, and here's the way you want to be. And right in the middle of it, he says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded, self-controlled, so that you can pray. Yep. So my point was is that he's telling you, you're going to be judged, so you don't want to live like that. I mean, in a practical sense. And so I wanted to keep it in that context, but I got to thinking about it. Well, really, that's the best way to view that text. And then if you want to look at the bigger end of time and all that, that's good, because he's going to deal with that in the text we're getting to Ultimately, in right. Second Peter, it, it perfectly mirrors what we're at in Second Peter three. It does. I'll just read it. First uh, Peter four, in verse three, says, "You have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans used to do." And you read this, yep. And I mean, it was, and you didn't uh, sugarcoat it, no. So then he lists all these things that we used to do: debauchery. You, you kind of had a funny moment about because we don't use that word anymore. Mm. I don't even really know how we want to define it. There, well, I looked a, it up, and verse, then it listed some of the things right after it as debauchery. Well, there's a verse in Ephesians 4 or 5, no, 5, that says don't get drunk on uh, wine, which leads to debauchery. So I would, I've always defined debauchery as something drunk 
someone under the influence would be doing. So I think we get that. Uh, or uh, lust, uh, drunkenness, orgies. I mean, this is pretty graphic. Carousing, which that's another one. I'm not real sure what carousing is. <laughs> carousing. Just hanging, hanging out with one or two of or a little group, and you're just up to no good the whole bunch. No, so, I like it. Uh, detestable. I mean, I don't like it. I'm saying that's a good definition. Detestable idolatry. They think it's strange that you don't plunge with them. Now, you're, the version you read yesterday was, uh, what was it, into reckless? Yeah, that's, the word it used was... Uh, Mine says flood of dissipation, which... What does that mean? But yours had, what, what was yeah, the phrase you kept using? It said using? Uh, reckless, wild living. Yeah, they think it's strange. This is, so First Peter 4, 4, they think it's strange you do not plunge with them in reckless, wild living. Yeah, that was the, the updated NIV used that phrase, which I- I, I, I think that's a better character, right? Because I zeroed in on that because, you know, people understand when when people live recklessly- which is a description of that. You think about it, because a reckless life means that I don't care what anybody else thinks. Here's the way I'm going to live. I've been there. I've been there, too. And I didn't stay there long, but I've been there. I've been there. And what happens is, of course, you know, Jace is funny, because we talked about me speaking in different rooms, which you think, well, what does it matter? Now it scares the daylight out of me. Yeah, it, me too. But you know, I, I was glad I was in the room I was in yesterday. Well, you are. You were in kind of the CR room. I was in the reckless room. In the reckless room, because, which I thought that's why you did it. No, it, it just happened that that was the room oh. they had it set up yesterday. It just it well, couldn't have been better. Good for you. I mean, you, you, if you had the Pharisee room or the reckless room, I'd go to the reckless <laughs> room. If you're talking about reckless, well, look, not to say there were Pharisees in no, our no, room, no. but I'm saying. No, but what happens There's is, always a struggle, which right. is the point of all this. Yeah. You, you, anything other than God at the center of your life is reckless. Right. And it may be good things. I mean, that's why you, you know, when we characterize sinful behavior, you, you also are realizing that Jesus had the biggest problems with the Pharisaical mind. Right. Not that those sinners were actually. Halfway welcome, welcoming to Jesus. And so to to our audience, so you understand, so we had these two services at our church. The bigger room there, most of the people in that room are year more years removed from that sort of lifestyle, like like Dad and I were talking about. It's been many, many years since we were removed yep. from that lifestyle. The room that I was in, these people are pretty fresh. Oh, yeah. They're in the, they're in a lot of our home, the recovery homes and things like this, Celebrate Recovery. Yeah. So so what I'm saying is they were speaking back, which kind of got me going more into it because they were right out of there. So when I started saying anybody here knows about reckless living and, you know, that you got somebody that's concerned, they're like, oh, yeah. You know, like oh, right. just, they, a, just a few months well, ago. They were cheering a few times. Well, because our crowd wasn't cheering right. a few times. They right. just, they're not as passionate, which unfortunately, you know, <laughs> in a lot of our churches, the longer you're in the church, the less, ex- the less excited you are right. about it, which is it doesn't mean very it, unfortunate. Yeah, though. it doesn't mean it doesn't inspire you. It just yeah. doesn't, you don't always show that as much. That's true. That emotion. So let me read this. So they think it's strange. I'm kind of preaching your sermon, which was excellent, by the way. I, th- I thought it was outstanding. And, the, and in verse five, because here's the, 
connection I wanted to make. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Now, then you went on and made a point about, you know, that's why the gospel was preached. Then verse 7, the end of all things is near. And then you read the next few verses, which gave really the defined living the best life you could live. This, this, is, this is on the other side right. of the new birth. And right. uh, you had Lisa uh, get up and share. Just, uh, I thought it was incredible. Just what y'all went through right. and all the all the sides of that, the reckless living, the encountering Jesus, the now the love and uh, hospitality and speaking as God would speak and serving as God would serve. It was fantastic. So what, where I wanted to bridge a connection, so you got First Peter 4, and he, he says we're all going to give an account in front of God. We're all going to stand before God. And, and there's other verses that say that. Uh, you know, Jesus, in fact, and I looked it up, you know who talked about judgment and hell more than any other person in the Bible? Jesus. Jesus. It's in here. And so, you know, we spend 99% of our time talking about God's grace and love and mercy, you know, through the gospel. But don't ever doubt it. Peter makes it quite clear. Judgment is coming. Everyone will stand before God. So 2 Peter 3 is scary to a lot of people, and it should be. And to Phil's point, when he read verse 1, verse 1 of chapter 3, it said, This is now my second letter to you, and I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. And so he then says, I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy people and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. And so then he he goes on to talk about these scoffers who he refers to as false teachers in the previous verse. These were the ones, you know, returning to the vomit or the, the propaganda that they were putting out there. That basically there's no consequences for how you live. There's no judgment. There's no, there's not going to be a second coming. And so he gets into the argument. His first argument is they'll say in verse three, these scoffers will come and say, well, where, where's this coming? He promised. Cause, cause if he doesn't come, what? Then we're not judged. You're good. You're good. You're well, that, yeah, it's just over. It's just like, would you happen to be dead? Speaking of doll, it's like Rover. It's just over when you die. There's no consequences. So then it says, you know, they make this argument. Ever since our fathers died in verse 4 of Second Peter 3, everything just goes on as it has since the beginning of creation, and which I really think is the number one argument for not believing in God or judgment or heaven or hell. They're like, it's just life just goes on for thousands of years, and some people believe in millions. So verse 5, here's the second uh, argument they use, because it says they deliberately forget. So it's, so it's one thing to say, where's the coming? But then the, the second thing is people deliberately forget, which is on purpose, that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water, by water. 
By these waters, also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. So we remember, you know, no, he he's he he has brought up Noah and what happened there a couple times. This is the third time, letter. yeah, including the first letter, which so, is interesting. So watch verse seven. Now then, all of a sudden, it starts getting downright dangerous. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept. For the day of judgment, which is why I was, when you were preaching First Peter 4, that's why I wanted to read that. Because it's like, there's a judgment day coming. We will stand before God. And then he, right after that, says the end of all things is near. And look, while everybody's arguing about what now, what? What exactly does that mean? To me, it's almost like the same argument that scoffers are using when they say, well, when, when exactly is, I mean... Everything's just going along. That's what people do. Look, even now to this day, you have people predicting when Jesus is going to come back. You have. Well, I ad, know they're all wrong. You have ads on television. What a what a good time, great time to be alive. Yeah. Well, at some point, we're going to stand before God, and it in the end of verse seven says, "Being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men." Which is, I mean, I told you, this is a scary, frightening verse, and it should be. Now, then he says, but do not forget this, and we'll talk about this in detail as we move forward. For, don't forget this one thing. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And before I read the next verse, I will say, this is one of the most misused verses in the entire Bible, because I've heard this used in some different realms but we'll talk about what we think his point was then in verse 9 says the lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness i think this is hilarious and we'll talk about it because it's like god's eternal so and i think that's the point he's making here with the the lord a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years. Well, he, he's an eternal being, so you're not you're not going to be able to use your time scale for him, right? Ever. Now, now, what's so confusing about this is the next phrase, because then it says he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The reason I bring this up, then I can get y'all's comments is the same reason I brought up Paul when he said that God had showed his unlimited patience in him since he was the worst of sinners. Well, when you look up the definition of patience, what is it? Patience is not grumbling or having a bad attitude during a delay. Or, I mean, that's, when I looked it up, that's basically it. So it's like, well, wait a minute. God's not waiting around twiddling his thumbs because he, he's eternal, but he does have a character quality that is unlimited patient. It's, he has an eternal patience with us, which is why it's been, what, how many years since uh, Noah and the flood? And so that was their argument. Oh, Jesus is not coming back. And it's like, so he wasn't making a mathematical argument. He was making a God character argument. There is a judgment. He is just. 
people are going to stand before God because he's just, but he's also making an argument of his love for for people because he's like, he's not slow. He's just wanting people to come to repentance. I mean, it, it's a pretty deep section and quite scary. Then it says the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be burned up. Scary description. <laughs> well, that's why I said. Now, if you go back to the beginning, because it's going to take us a couple podcasts to go through this. Right. When he said this, I wrote these things in verse 1 to stimulate wholesome thinking. I mean, I've got a theory on this, and, and I'd like to get y'all's take. You know, somebody wrote, uh, you know, hell is locked from the inside. And the point being, nobody's going to go there except by their own will and choice. I mean, we just read that God is patient and he doesn't want anyone to perish. So if someone ends up there, well, they, they did it by their own choosing. But if you told someone, okay, Hell is real, and you're headed there. Well, if they didn't make a change in their life, they, they're they not, in my opinion, they don't believe it's real. They, they've been hoodwinked. That's right. Either by their own selfish desires or some of these scoffers. Because if you knew hell was real, I mean, not even considering the gospel. God chose the gospel to save people, what he did through Jesus, you know, who Jesus is. But just take that out. If you knew hell was real and you knew that by your life and heart you were headed there, well, you would do something different. So you have to, that's why he said wholesome thinking. There has to be something in your mind that sends you down a path of saying, well, wait a minute here. I've got to consider my options here because if hell is real, you're not going to want to go. No rational thinking person would wind up there. Which is why I think Peter used the examples back in chapter 2 on the N-I-N time judgment before he gets to the end time judgment of description. Yeah, I thought it was a great point. Yeah, right. to say when he talked about Sodom and Gomorrah and, and the flood, to say same thing. People had a decision then. Do I believe that he's going to rain down in the Sodom and Gomorrah's case fire and destroy these cities, they didn't believe, including Lot's own family, his wife, and what happened? They were destroyed. And he said, don't look back. Don't look back. Guess what? He's a man of his word. He is. He's a God of his word. And the same with the flood. They had 100 years to believe or not believe. I mean, that when it says you, you know, we rely all this on God's promises, what he says is the truth. Jesus is the truth embodied in a human being. When he said, don't look back, well, she looked back. Guess what? Was that God's fault or her fault? Right. She should have trusted. He's a God of justice. He gives us work. Don't look back. Right. She looked back. Bam. That's right. Would you like to comment? Welcome back, Zach. Okay. <laughs> I tell you what. <laughs> so yeah, I, bet it was, I know it was great. I mean, I just caught the tail end of it. So I don't, I mean. Well, yeah, I, I, read, off, yeah. I read through Second Peter 3, 1 through 10. And yeah. we compared that to Al's sermon in First Peter four, so we're reviewing this for our audience as well. That we we will stand before God and give an account. 
So we made this point that he started this whole chapter off with he wanted to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. So when you think about the crowd you were speaking with, Al, most of those people, I'm talking about in the uh, the reckless room, as we, we called it. Well, you think about, you know, their view of, of heaven and hell and mindset. When you think about the addictions out there and all these sins that we just read in First Peter 4 that are, uh, you know, we call them the big sins or the most captivating. Well, you think about what happens to a person's mind to allow that to happen. You you think about being a you know addicted to drugs or just out living these you know immoral lifestyles. You basically disintegrate just because of the more you do this kind of behavior, like the like the drug. The more you do it, the less it is is keeping your needs met. And so the more you do, and it just becomes overwhelmed, and you literally disintegrate. And now, these days, it'll just kill you. I mean, the, the drug. Which drug. is the nature of all sin, really, right? I mean, it's a... Exactly. It's, but I was to, just giving you the, yeah. the sped-up version of it, because you see it yeah. in drug. But it's the nature of all sin. And then what else does it, it, does it do? Uh, it isolates you. Because then you have to begin to lie... Because you can't keep a job, you know, you can't, you're, all your relationships, you start alienating yourself because they're saying, hey, what are you doing? When you don't want to hear it. When Matthew recorded Peter's unrecognized, uh, you know, I, I don't even know who Jesus is. He said uh, he began to call down curses on himself. This is Peter who wrote what you said about <laughs> falling away and but the last little section it says last word there in matthew 26 when matthew recorded what peter was doing by rejecting jesus peter went outside and he wept bitterly he just he'd come all this way he had seen the miracles it he reached out to people done a great job you'd you would think for the kingdom but when he got to when Matthew went about the time he received the keys to the kingdom, he was he was not in good shape. He wept bitterly. Well, what I was going to say is, I think in your mind, you have this, you have a way to rationalize. So even like to go back to the point, your your life is disintegrating because of sin. You're now isolated, lonely. The people who love you the most, I and mean, you especially see this in with teenagers, they alienate the best people, their parents, their Christian friends, because this lifestyle. Well, then you just, you're living in denial. You don't, you think it's somebody else's problem. You know, it's why are you blaming God for this? And so in your mind, you got it rationalized where it's just not there. There's no consequences for this. And, I think that's what his point was. He was trying to jar them, saying, you got these people running around saying there's no God, he's not coming back. He had been there. Doesn't matter how you live. There's no consequences. It's all... Peter had his moment with the very thing he's writing about. Yeah. So here's Peter almost at his death. Yeah. He's realizing the end of all things is near. I'm going to stand before the Almighty God and he's more focused on the arrival that we made the point in in first I mean uh, second Peter one yep and looking forward to it because because even 
even in this section, he's going to get to it when he gets to verse 11. He's like, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. And then it says, as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, which is something you're like, speed its coming. What does that mean? Right. You're excited about it. You're, this is not something you're terrified. So I think in this is a beautiful picture of, of what God expects from us and how we should respond you know, to his love and, and grace. And it's a positive thing. He doesn't want anyone to perish. But the facts are, you can't read this without talking about judgment, heaven, and hell. It's all the, the real, and it's Paul, all going to happen. The Apostle Paul recorded it. He's saying any day, today is the day of salvation. I mean, be ready day by day. Look at it just like Peter's looking at it there. Yeah. It's going to end. Better be on the right side of this thing. Well, I do, I do like how he says it's the Lord's day, the day of the Lord. And it actually says the day of God in the second time. It, that, that's only used twice in verse 12, 3, 12. As you look forward to the day of God and speed that it's coming. I thought that was interesting. But it's the Lord's day. You know, when you think about it being your day, we usually think of somebody's birthday. You know, we all get them presents, you know, and it's their day. It changes kind of how we operate around them that day. And trust me, on the Lord's day, you can magnify that about 10 million times, and it will completely change <laughs> everyone's view of the Lord from that day forward. No, you're exactly right. And, th and this has been looked to and talked about a lot, which we'll get into when we get to the next podcast, because the day of the Lord is mentioned in several different contexts. And you're right, Jason. I think the reason Peter focuses in on it so much is that Jesus talked about it so much. Oh, he did. I mean, look it up. Do the research. Most people, they don't like this part of faith in God. They, most people I know, we, uh, we want to talk about the love and grace, which that is the motivating factor for, you know, why we respond to Jesus. But the fact is, this can be encouraging and, and especially bring you some peace of knowing that, you know, I'm taking this serious and I need to guard my mind and heart and see what I'm, you know, the, the kind of knowledge that I'm putting into my head. Because if you're walking around acting like there's no consequences to your life, well, you're just in complete denial. <laughs> That's why Peter, <laughs> when he preached the gospel to him in Acts chapter 2 there, you know, kind of leading into Acts chapter 2, he, 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 he pleaded with them. He warned them and pleaded with them. And some of the ones, right. about 3,000, took him up on it. But for a while there, it looked like he wasn't going to be able to move them at all. But you just think, too, Phil, if you really love somebody and they were headed to, uh, you know, this dark... Eternal consequence. Well, why wouldn't you bring it up and say, hey, don't go. Don't go. All right, we're out of time. So uh, if you want to follow us over to overtime, blazetv.com slash unashamed if you want to follow us over to our overtime. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.